This is a Hot Pie Media Original. This episode of the Inhumane Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So, is there anything that is preventing you from achieving your goals? Anything at all? Is there a reason that you seem like you're in Stuckville and you just can't move forward? Well, BetterHelp is here to assess your needs and really match you with your own licensed professional therapist. I love that you're able to chat with them within 48 hours and it's not a crisis line. It's not for self-help. It really is just professional therapy and you can do this securely online. The services are available no matter your time zone and you can log into your account anytime and send your message to your therapist. It's like having them on speed dial. You can even schedule a weekly video or phone session, and you never have to sit and wait in a lobby. BetterHelp is really committed to, you know, facilitating those great therapeutic matches, and they make it super easy and free to change therapists if you need to do so. I know with a lot of the service providers of anti-human trafficking organizations and people like you who are listening to this could have some vicarious trauma and the therapists they see don't normally allow them to move back and forth. And so here you're able to change therapists if you need to do so, um, so that you find a better fit. Now, BetterHelp really wants you to start living a happier life today. So please visit their website, betterhelp.com. And because they're doing such a great job, you can join over a million people who have taken charge of their own mental health and with the help of an experienced professional. And so we have an actual special offer for you today for all of the Inhumane podcast listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash inhumane. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Inhumane Podcast, a Hot Pie Media Original. Um, so excited to have my friend Lisa Michelle join us. She is out of San Antonio, Texas, and she is the founder of Untethered Ministries. And um, NSA Girls, right, No Strings Attached, is part of Untethered Ministries. And that is how I got involved with this fabulous nonprofit. The work they do is amazing. Um, Lisa Michelle is a survivor herself and the courage and the boldness that she has. And it you're not going to want to miss um, these two episodes we have with her. Um, so join us because I have no doubt you are going to be an advocate when you're done um, hearing her and I chit chat. So let's get started. Okay, so Miss Lisa, it, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on the show. Um, I know we have been coordinating for quite some time, um, but, you know, busy gal. We definitely get, we know, and um, we're just, I can't, like I said, I can't tell you, I'm so thrilled for our audience to hear all the work that you have been doing um, for quite some time and the inspiration that you've been to many, including myself. And gosh, I was actually trying to calculate. I'm like, I think it was like six years ago where we met at the Capitol um, here in Austin, Texas, uh, maybe five, but it's been a minute. And I, same thing, 
And just like clockwork, I was like, I love your hair. And then lo and behold, <laughs> we're going to the same session. Um, and it was like, oh, this lady, we just got to connect. And it's, it's you know, gone from there. So very excited to have you. Um, yeah. Can't tell you. Um, I'm going to try to hold in my excitement if I can a little bit um, so that I can actually articulate the words. I feel like I need to focus. <laughs> yeah, I need to focus, need to focus. Um, and I didn't get to go to your gala, uh, your gala this year either. So um, so that was another opportunity. I was like, man, I missed her. I missed her this year. Yeah, we this missed year. you. Yeah. We missed you. We love your support and we're so thankful for you. Thank you for all these years of support and investing in us. It's been beautiful. I'm, and you know what? We're going to get more. Our listeners, they're about to support you a, as well. It is definitely um, my pleasure and I just love it. So we're going to jump right in, if you don't mind, because I know yeah, sure. our listeners are eager to hear all about you. And so I've mentioned no strings attached before here and there, um, definitely in deep conversation with, with individuals. And so it is a program within Untethered Ministries, which the Untethered Ministries is kind of a new over-encompassing right now, opposed to just being NSA girls before. So please tell us, um, you know, what Untethered Ministries is and the role that NSA plays within that, if you don't sure. mind. Yeah, Untethered Ministries is bringing resources to women and at-risk youth that have been sexually abused, exploited, or trafficked. And within Untethered Ministries, we have the NSA Girls Program, No Strings Attached. That program is providing vast resources for the women and children that we are working with. So what that looks like is one-on-one -on -one survivor-led advocacy. We do crisis management. Uh, we have outreach and intervention where we go out into strip clubs and into modern day brothels, which are uh, illicit massage businesses, which I know you're very familiar with. Uh, and we help the women, first of all, just know that they have support, that they have a community that wants to embrace them and see them uh, identify with who they were really meant to be. We feel as an organization that they're stuck and trapped in this lifestyle mm -hmm. and have been lured and pulled in and tricked into it. And they've lost their identity. They've lost who they really are. So one of the giftings that I've been given is to help women really empower them to know who they are and how to articulate and share their story and to go from being sexually abused, exploited or trafficked into their full identity discovery. and living out their full purpose in life. We've seen women do that within months. And then some of them, it takes years. For me personally, I'm in my fifties and I don't mind saying that. <laughs> it's like, and it took me years. I didn't self-identify with my story and everything that happened to me until my forties. Mm -hmm. And then I only have been sharing my story for eight years now. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I mean, it's just been incredible. That first time that I shared it, I thought for sure I was going to die that day. <laughs> I was so full of toxic shame and just so frightened to share my truth with people. Mm -hmm. And the more I do it, the more empowering it becomes. It's just incredible to watch women and children say, wait, that happened to me. Right. Okay, wait, I need to articulate this and figure this out. And that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. And, you know, that's, I think that's the one thing that your, your mission 
right, is you're like sexual abuse, sexual assaulted, exploited, and trafficked. Um, Mm -hmm. Because we know, right, when it comes to human trafficking, it's such a complex dynamic issue and very hard to identify, very hard to identify in the court of law as well when we're trying to uh, persecute individuals, right? And so when you see these three things, sexual assault, exploitation, and human trafficking, can you explain to our audience maybe what those three like have in common and then maybe how vast differently they actually are? Well, they all have in common that they break down a woman's self-esteem and self-worth. I mean, that is the biggest thing is that you're brought down to nothing and you're being controlled by the abuse. You're being controlled by the trafficker. Um, So that's the one thing that they all have in common. And that like D what's the word, you know, just taking away everything that you thought that you were and you just thinking that you're a piece of trash. I remember as a little girl thinking, I know dogs that are treated better than me. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, they get, at least they get fed and they have shelter and they have, you know, so, and I had seen it before, you know, as well with the girls that we serve as well. And they're treated, it's inhumane Mm -hmm. what's happening. You know, it just really is. And it's so disheartening to see. What was the second question that you asked? Uh, just maybe how how different they are, right? Because there, I think there's a lot of individuals. We've been talking about sexual assault for so long, right? And and still, people still don't get in. People still don't see it when there's like someone of power and someone that doesn't have power, right? Yeah. So, um, but how different are they in the yeah. work that you're in? Because I think when they they see the similarities then the, mm-hmm. I feel that that's how we can bring our audience in about human trafficking a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, well, so how different? Yeah. Well, with human trafficking and with sex trafficking, uh, the trauma bond is the biggest hurdle to get over. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have somebody that comes along and says they're your boyfriend with the, like the Romeo pimp yeah. and they bond with you on a level that you've probably never experienced in your life. They're masters at, at having that trauma bond with you. And once they get you to fall in love with them, you don't even really see anymore the reality that's around you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest difference is that trauma bond that keeps the victim in that victim role Mm -hmm. and they don't self-identify, they don't understand what's happening to them. And you can tell them point blank, you know, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And I, we've done it, you know, before, um, in stings that we've been in with law enforcement, you gently start to coach and share, but if you just go, this is what's happening to you and they're going to be like, get away from me. You're trying to like ruin my relationship with my boyfriend and they don't believe you. But I love how just those little teeny nuggets in those situations of sharing, can help the victim self-identify. And then those words are like little seeds or little containers. And every time you drop some of those into the mind of somebody who is a victim and has no, sees no way out, they keep coming back up and they're going, wait, that's what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. So awareness is key, as you know. I mean, it's the, I had a girl call our hotline recently. It was so exciting. And she saw a colleague of mine on TikTok And she's in the middle of a major trafficking situation here in Texas. Okay. And because my friend was sharing about trauma bonds, Mm -hmm. she's like, wait, 
wait, that's happening. She kept sharing it over and over. And the more she would learn and then she it would happen to her. And she's like, oh, like when it was happening to her before she had knowledge, she didn't know. Right. Once she had the knowledge, she felt empowered and she thought, well, maybe I am in a situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm I, again, the, the, there is a beauty of technology, right? Um, yeah. And then on the flip side, I'd like to dig a little bit deeper. Um, like you mentioned the Romeo pimp and our audience has definitely heard um, about the Romeo pimp, but there's such a like quick correlation between younger, younger individuals, right? And especially if they are online and someone becomes their BFF, right? And they're only 12 years old or 13 years old. It's the same concept that they have this bond now with this individual. So when an adult comes in and says, well, that's not your friend because they're doing all these things, it's literally the same concept, maybe just no romance involved. Um, And so this is what we're trying to teach our, our, our parents of younger individuals is that trauma bonding is still there. Because they see one vulnerability, which 12-year-olds have a gajillion vulnerabilities because they're 12, (laughs) you know? Right. (laughs) And so it's the same concept. Like I said, you're just maybe taking out that intimacy part. Um, Yes. But so vital and so detrimental because, as you mentioned, this young woman, she was able to identify when she was seeing, like she was kept hearing it and pieces were speaking to her. I don't know how old she was or is, but- her compared to a 12 year old. So in her twenties compared to a 12 year old, that's going to be vastly different and maybe a lot more difficult to penetrate and break through, through that, through that young person, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. It's so true. I mean, awareness before, you know, at like age 10 and and eight, I mean, they say what the average age of um, viewing pornography is age eight. So it's like letting our children know way ahead of time now things that, you know, I didn't have to back in the day, you know, I mean, it was just getting started when my children were born and it wasn't something that we've ever been taught as parents. That's right. Um, I'd like, I'd like to make one more comment about that as well. We have a campaign called seven times and what we've experienced as an organization is that it takes up to seven times and we've seen it even take longer too mm-hmm. to leave that trauma bond, to leave that trafficker. Um, and we have plenty of girls that we work with right now that have left and then come back, left and come back. And they always know that they're a safe landing, you know, that we're a safe landing spot mm-hmm. for them. So, but it's very difficult. And I myself being involved in domestic violence, which I think trafficking is domestic violence on steroids. Yeah. I myself being in a domestic violence situation and having a boyfriend that I had no idea that I was experiencing all all of these things. Um, It took me years. I lived with him for four years. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was happening to me. I grew up in violence. I grew up in severe sexual abuse and exploitation as a little girl. So I was already preconditioned to not knowing that my worth or knowing you know, that this isn't normal for your boyfriend to hit you. This isn't normal for your boyfriend to ask you to do things that you're uncomfortable doing. Um, So all of those factors were in there and it it took me a really long time to figure out. And unfortunately that relationship ended with him going to jail Mm -hmm. because he tried to kill me. So, and that's usually the steps of abuse. That's the last sign, you know, is they want to silence you and they want you to be gone and Mm -hmm. to be done. So um, it's just so important that we know that. Yeah. 
You know, um, and thank you for sharing that um, that piece because, you know, like I said, our, our audience needs to see the association with domestic violence because it's there and it's something that has been part of our world for a long time. Um, you know, and so understanding how exploitation falls in that piece as well. Cause like you mentioned doing things for that boyfriend or that girl where it doesn't make you feel comfortable and they're exploiting you to do those things. And then the, um, domestic violence on, on, uh, steroids, because I'm forcing you to do all of this and force fraud and coercion so happens more often with our loved ones than they do with a complete stranger, right? Because yeah. why would I do this for a complete stranger? Unless, of course, they're threatening my life, right? With a, a gun to my head, totally get that. Um, yeah. But what's so hidden is that force, fraud, and coercion that's happening from a loved one. Because you can't fathom them do that to you. Exactly. And so familial trafficking, which is what you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, is so common in San Antonio. I think that that's probably one of the bigger forms of trafficking that's mm-hmm. happening in our city alone, yeah. just because of the cases that we get from law enforcement. And um, it's usually gang related. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they build that family structure and everything and, and just condition the girls to thinking this is just life. This is the yeah. way we live. This is how we do it. And, you know, I worked in the juvenile correctional facility for two years with 13, 14 and 15 year olds that were all being trafficked by family members. Mm-hmm. I had 22 girls that I worked with during my time there. And the more I came in every Wednesday and I, I it was an incredible support group for the girls and they had never met anybody like me or the more I shared my stories and how much we had in common, they were shocked to like see who the woman I am today. And I had, you know, my life circumstances absolutely gave me no platform whatsoever to be the woman I am today. I had to fight really, really hard to be her. And that's my passion today is to see young girls like that to be able to self-identify early and to say, this is what's happening to you. Let's, let's fix this. You have so much potential in you and let's see you reach your real uh, destiny here. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, Oh, I, uh, I can't imagine right at 13 years old, hearing that from you and like where these girls are today because they they weren't identifying as that, right? Because this becomes, and especially me being a girl raised, right? Born and raised in San Antonio myself is that's Mm -hmm. very cultural as well, right? And so it's hard to break that kind of culture. Um, And we talk about that in the Latino community as well as if there is that familial trafficking or even sexual abuse, um, you know, with with the minor, let's say specifically, it's, it's shunned and it's quiet. And you need to be quiet about it. And we're not going to talk about it on either side. And then, as you know, usually the victim and their parents or siblings are then shunned. And yet the predator is still within the family because how dare how how dare you accuse them? And children are normally within our culture is you are um, to be quiet unless spoken to. So you probably just made all this up. And as you and I know, uh, being trauma practitioners ourselves, 
children don't do that. They're telling you. Most don't say anything. So when they do, they're telling you that something's happening. So this breaking these whole cultural barriers is so challenging. Um, but we, but we have to, and I think more parents are starting to wake up. Like we're kind of going back on that trend, like in the eighties when it was, um, when they started talking about sexual molestation, if you remember, and now we're going back, like, yeah, I'm not letting my kids stay the night anywhere. Like I wasn't allowed to stay the night anywhere. My father like took that, like, uh, we're not doing any of that business. And now you're starting to see a little small trend of parents going back to, my kids are only staying here at this house, not with family members, not with friends, just just here. At least then I know, right, who's in yeah. their room at night, which is nobody. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't blame them. That's actually the the easiest thing, right, to do. So I want to go back and talk about one of the things that y'all do with NSA Girls, and that is going into right the the strip clubs and the modern day brothels um because whenever i share that right you you got two ends of the spectrum you have people that are like why a strip club there's definitely no exploitation or trafficking because they chose to be there and of course my response is always i know every five-year-old little girl says i want to grow up to be a stripper um and work in a brothel right so mm. breaking breaking down that mindset in itself um, but tell us what you do there. Cause it's so fascinating how y'all built this community to go in there. And the stories I've heard from you, even talking to the DJs and the managers and the people walking in, like just in, enlighten us on what's happening when you do that. Yeah. Well, 70% of women that are being trafficked are being exploited out of the SOBs, the sexually oriented businesses. Mm -hmm. So that's the strip clubs and the illicit massage businesses. So we are finding women that are in that, um, that are not in there on their own accord, that do have somebody, a third party that's taking their money and controlling what they do. But yeah, it was about, well, I, I, we're going to be celebrating our 10th year this, I think it's this August. I know it's crazy. So I can't believe I've been here in Texas for 10 years. <laughs> when I first got here, God had already downloaded to me to start this ministry. And I was really excited about it. Didn't know anybody here. And I just got two women that heard what I wanted to do and a pastor. And they just said, what can we do to support you? And off we went and we went into our first strip club. And I'll never forget that first time going there. We asked for the manager and the manager came out and he was this big, huge dude that was, you know, like bouncer type of guy, you know, and he wouldn't have anything to do with us. He just thought we were so foreign and, and like, what are you girls doing here? <laughs> you know, and I said, well, we have gifts for the girls. And every time I would say, we just love to go in and visit with them. And he would say, no. He said no to me three times. And I don't know what happened. Something happened during those three times where he was like this, just as mad as could be and his honorees could be to where he just relaxed his arms. And he said, you know what? What harm is it going to do? I guess the girls could use a gift and a little bit of encouragement tonight. Go ahead go pass out gifts and cupcakes to the girls. So we went into our first club and we've almost been here 10 years now. Um, the clubs, believe it or not, the mm -hmm. owners and the managers look at us as chaplains mm -hmm. over their establishments. 
And the reason for that being is because we have so much trust and so good of a relationship. They know we are there for the right reasons. They have seen countless women's lives changed. Mm -hmm. They've seen they will, will be on their speed dial. Lisa, we have a woman in here that is ODing on heroin. We need help for her right now. Lisa, we have a mom and, and her little girl that have nowhere to go. And we need some, some form of, you know, place for them to live. They will call us. We'll be that first one. We had one girl that um, was shot and killed. Unfortunately, um, a friend of ours and uh, we were the first people that they called. They immediately called us and said, can you do a candlelight vigil? Can you head up this? Can you do that? I've done funerals. I've, I mean, it's literally been a gift yeah. to be able to invest in this community. I have so many girlfriends that are from the industry that have transitioned out that are still working there. I genuinely love these women and I love being a part of their lives and helping them and seeing them do what they do. We have a team of 12 people. So we have a prayer team and then we have an outreach team that goes into the clubs and we literally just pass out gifts to the girls that are working, let them know of our resources and how we'd love to connect with them. Um, if something, you know, just organically happens where we end up like it happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. I'll tell you this beautiful story. So we came into the club recently and this girl kind of didn't want anything to do with us. You know, she's just watching us give out the gifts and just kind of a little bit unsure of who we were. And so I walked over to her and I just said, I put the gift in front of her and I said, I have a gift for you. And she looked at me and she's like, okay, what do I owe you? Mm -hmm. Like, do you want something from me? She was so unsure. And I said, no, it's, it's from NSA girls. This is who we are. This is what we do. And I explained it and tears started to fall down her face. And she said, what did you say your name was? And I said, no strings attached, the NSA girls. And she goes, you're not going to believe this. She goes, a customer came in last night and paid me to sit with him so he could tell me about your ministry. And she goes, I sat for an hour. Well, he pulled up your videos on his phone. He showed me who you guys are. And he said, you don't belong here reach out to this organization. They can help you transition out. And she goes, and, and then you walk in the door the very next night and you're handing me a gift right now. I have chills right now because it was one of those moments that yeah. just for her, God was pursuing her. God mm -hmm. did not let her go like the night before. And we still, I go, what did that guy look like? <laughs> <laughs> They're still trying to figure out who that was. <laughs> I'm like, can I call him? Right, right. Still have no idea who this phantom guy Amazing. is. Unbelievable yeah. that somebody's out there doing that too. And that I just love that things like that. I mean, we just have the most crazy stories. Like you said, you know, I could go on and on with them. I know. I love, oh, like, and I think that's another reason why you, you know, you're one of my favorite organizations. Um, and I talk about that on the national level, the international level, um, and just trying to send y'all so much support because what you're doing, yes, there's other organizations who go into strip clubs, but y'all's approach each time I hear it, either from a royal, right? And audience, the the royals are the the ladies that hang up their shoes and they they graduate, if you will, and they're they're ready. They're ready to be done with this this life. And I've heard stories from them and um and your ladies on your team. And it is so non-invasive. 
you guys literally, you ladies, <laughs> go <laughs> in there with literally no agenda, no intention to lure you into, if you will, um, to start talking about God or Jesus or anything along those lines. Um, because we know there's a connotation with that as well. And yeah. um, you, it's there. It's present. You know what I mean? You're not going to, y'all have conviction and it's there, but that's not your first and only approach. Your first approach is I'm going to love on you, whether you want to be here or not. And whether yeah. you tell me to, you know, go away or, or you accept a gift, I'm just going to keep coming back and I'm going to keep showing up because we know in their life, Everybody wants something from them. And, and that's also their mindset, right? Their belief system is you want something in exchange. What do I have to give up to right. get something from you? And right. that gentleman that you talked about, he literally paid an hour just so that you can sit here and let me tell you all about this place and these women that are going to do just that. I don't want anything from you. They don't want anything from you. They just know you have right. the potential of a better life and you got to find who that person is and that's it. And that is what I love about uh, NSA Girls and why I keep supporting because your approach is so genuine in a world of brokenness and mm -hmm. in a world where, I mean, gosh, you can't even get an influencer these days to, you know, like collaborate with you because there has to be something that they want more. Uh, and right. not all. It's just an example, like even in, in that kind of space, you know what I mean? Here, you guys don't want anything from them. You just want them to have a better life if they're ready to receive it. This episode of the Inhumane Podcast is brought to you by Canopy.us. Now, I know you've heard me talk a lot about the dangers of online in our world today. So I'm here to tell you about a few tips that can help protect your kids online from porn and sexting. I highly recommend, of course, to use parental controls on all of your family's devices. But the truth is that the average age of exposure to porn is 11 years old. And one in four kids have received a sext and one in seven have actually sent one. So that's why Canopy is such an important app to install on your kids' devices. Canopy actually helps prevent the exposure to porn before it happens. They use their technology actually filters images and videos in milliseconds. And when Canopy detects a nude or lingerie-esque image, it's saved to your child devices. It will give them the option to delete or send to you for approval. That's like a lot of checks and balances. So you can try Canopy for today by using the code INHUMANE and check out for 30 days free and 20% off for life at canopy.us. I, I just can't commend y'all enough. If you don't mind, can you just share one of the DJ stories? <laughs> because because it keeps... Yeah, happening. It's still, alive. Yeah. it's still alive right now. I just literally had an experience with this guy. It's crazy. I love him so much. And um, I have to be careful because it's his story. Truly. Oh, it is. sure, sure, sure. Uh, it is his story, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it generalized. So okay. I protect his identity and protect who he is. But, um, you know, he's worked his entire life inside the strip club as a DJ. And every time we came in, 
Um, we always bring cookies and beef jerky and different things to the guys in the bouncers and the bartenders and everybody who works in their Starbucks cards. They all love us. The guys yeah. <laughs> they're just, yeah, feeding and me, say, feed me here. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. And so, you know, every single time though, that I would see him, God would have a special word for him. And I would speak it to him and he just, he, he couldn't understand me. He just thought, who is this woman? She's coming into this strip club and she keeps saying these crazy things to me that like, were so foreign to him. But every single time that I would speak, whatever God was sharing with me, his hairs on his arms would just stand straight up. He'd go look at my hairs. He's like, what is happening to me? And I go, that's called the Holy Spirit. That is called God pursuing you in your life right now. He cares so much for you. And I just don't see that you belong here. I don't Mm. think you belong here. And so one day God gave me um, a very specific prophecy over him about his life. And I, I, I told him that you have a priestly anointing on your life. You're actually called to be a pastor. And uh, every single word that came out of my mouth during that moment, it was like everything in the club. There was like, you know, the worst music you can ever think of playing all kinds of, you know, not good things happening around you. But it's like the world stopped and him and I and one of our other advocates, it's just like this bubble. And you just sit there and you're in this moment. And as I'm saying these things to him, tears are pouring out of his face and he's looking at me, shaking his head. And he's like wow. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, those were the exact words that my mother would say to me while I was growing up. See those seeds, Mm -hmm. those seeds that we plant in our children, they won't return void. They will, they will germinate someday. And God used us in that moment for that. And he said that, that just, nobody knows that nobody knows that my mother used to say those exact words to me. And I said, I believe that you're not supposed to be here and God will show you how. So anyways, he's been out of the industry for over a year now. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible job making way more money than he used to make in the clubs out of the darkness into the light. And we had a recently, I'll keep this super generic, a beautiful soul that has known us for four years that works in the clubs and she has never wanted anything to do with us. She would kind of say hi, this and that. Recently, we had an incredible encounter with her and that she could not deny. Mm -hmm. And she's actually involved in the cult and she could not deny that something was happening in that moment. So we ended up meeting with her at an establishment, having coffee and talking to her about her life and her destiny and everything. And she said that she wanted to go into this line of business. And I, I won't say it because it'll give away the two identities. Um, and I said, well, that's interesting because, you know, DJ such and such is doing that right now. That's actually what he's doing. She was, yeah, I, I want to get a hold of him, but I don't know how. And I said, oh, we can get a hold of him. And in walks the door to this establishment, that DJ. We hadn't seen him in over a year because he hadn't been in the clubs. And he walks in. And he just stood there so shocked. His hair stood up again. He goes, Lisa, is this one of those another God (laughs) moments? He's like, what is happening? He goes, I haven't seen you guys in like over a year. And just like that. So, you know, I mean, all of this to say that that one little seed going in Mm -hmm. and you think you're just handing out gifts, but we're not, we're changing people's lives. Like God is literally changing the trajectory of women's lives and men's lives and men in the clubs. Um, I I will mention this. (laughs) I have to be careful 
careful with this too. We have men that are customers Mm -hmm. and that have been customers that no longer are that have changed because of meeting us Mm -hmm. in the club and that are now supporting our ministry. Like that's mind blowing to me. I didn't, I didn't set out for that. I had no (laughs) idea. None of this was on my radar. As a matter of fact, when I first started this, because I started 15 years ago, I did some of this work in Arizona. The men were my biggest hurdle to get over going Mm -hmm. in. I didn't know that I was bound up in my heart and that I had hatred towards the men that were in there until I started to meet them. And I had conversations and started to realize that they're lonely, that they're broken, that they were sexually abused, that they are hurting so bad. Mm -hmm. And and it's just two hurting people coming together and, and trying to build community and trying to, you know, all based off of false love false identity and all of that. The more I met men and talked to them, the more they were so interested in the work we were doing and the more they learned as well. So it's beautiful to see them come full circle and me, my heart that was bound towards the men. And now I have incredible love for them as well. Lisa, that I can't tell you that is a great segue. First, let me just go back and say, you know, the humanity right, is coming back into people when they interact with you all, like you're bringing humanity back because so many people believe humanity is just gone, right? Right. Um, because of their experiences. And so you, you, your group, I believe has, is bringing that back to them when they, when y'all go and you visit with them and you talk That's to them, right. you share with them. And my big thing is, especially in the anti-trafficking movement, we all know that of course, men are the number one consumers, for sure, by by a landslide. Um, what what I'm not a fan with is or of is when we are having these conversations and the hate towards men is so big, not saying that it's not valid, valid like you just mentioned, but where we're keeping them out of the conversation and keeping them yeah. out of the movement. And it's just exactly what you said. I I don't believe for all cases that it's just, oh, what's well, men being men where they're just superior and they always think of women being below them and to control kind of thing. Um, one, I don't come from that kind of family. The men in my life, right, with my dad, my brother, my husband, they're those aren't those kind of men. Um, and then others that I interact with. And they want to support and they never want any harm towards their wife, their sister, their daughters. And there's tons of men like that. And it's you pinpoint it so well is that they're broken. Mm -hmm. They are coming to a place that they believe that they can get some sort of or, or a place where they're not lonely, whether it's for 30 minutes or three hours or whatever the case may be. And and it's two broken people that are coming together mm-hmm. to communicate in whatever falseness and whatever facade that they're creating. But at least you're not completely lonely for that short time frame, And right. right. And so I feel the more we educate men, if they're the number one consumer, they are part of the big solution that we have to bring in more. Like you have an advocate that you don't even know his name, <laughs> and this man is spending his own money, his own time 
to go and kind of duplicate what y'all have done. But he's coming from the flip side of a male perspective, which we yeah. know that these women um, and these children have to have that male perspective as well, not just a female perspective. And so I love that you and and I don't know if that's what it is. Like you said, I needed to heal my heart. And because yeah. I don't blame you, I don't blame you. And I don't blame anybody when somebody they've been a victim and they're a survivor. Of course, you're going to have issues towards that individual 100 um, percent. Yeah. But I, I do believe that if we can heal. Then you're like, I can totally invite you in because I never want this to happen to anybody else. And we need both yeah. parties, right? We need the females to come in and do what exactly what you are doing and what we're doing here. But we also need the males because one, they need to stop buying, right? And if they don't fully understand, they're never going to stop buying. You know, I love that you said that too. We have three men that are on our team that do outreach and they, they're security and pray and they're there for the men if the men want to talk at all as well and then our our last fundraiser in october the it was like half and half i was literally looked at the audience and went there are a lot of men a lot of businessmen yeah. a lot of men of influence in this room and it's very very exciting to see men get behind this and we need the men and i feel like right now we're in a pivotal moment especially us as an organization and a ministry um, where we want men to join us we mm -hmm. need those voices we need those strong advocates and the men to stand up and say this isn't okay right. this is not how you treat your daughter or your wife or you know so I am excited to see the men that are stepping up to the plate that keep reaching out to me, that keep wanting to partner with us. And we need them right now. <clears throat> yeah. And I have to tell you, there are good men out there. I've been married for 25 years to that's one right. of them. That's right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. like, that's a miracle yeah. it, coming from my past and not having one relationship that was worth beans. <laughs> it's like, you know, so there are good men out there yeah. and there there really are. And the men that are that are a part of this, that are at the root of this usually are dealing with strong addiction to pornography and lust. Mm -hmm. And they're just so addicted that they need to get their fix on a regular basis. We see that in the illicit massage businesses. The guys are just every 20 minutes showing up. That, yeah. And you know, that's the same men that keep coming back to the facilities. There's regulars that go into those massage parlors. So, um, you know, it's, it's a hard issue. And I've talked to them. We stop and talk to them before they go in yeah. and we will let them know, did you know this, this, and that, you know, we tell them what, what is actually how the facility is usually run, what's going on with the girls, because now we've educated them. That's so right. if they're in the act, inside that facility now they're no longer they're thinking oh my gosh this poor girl has to sleep on this bed tonight after she serviced 20 men mm -hmm. she's not going to get her money she doesn't have her papers or her identity and i'm contributing to this right so we've had men that wake up from us talking to them outside of the brothels mm -hmm. and um or illicit massage businesses i've called mm -hmm. them brothels for like years so um yeah. So it, it is a hard issue for sure. Mm -hmm. And I do want to see more men rise up. And I hope any man that's listening right now, if you don't live in San Antonio, find a place near you that you can start supporting a business owner, please support ministries and organizations like ours. We need you. We need to collaborate for sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you for, for, <clears throat> for calling on them because that's, that is, you know, one part 
of our mission here is the public and and men are the public. And exactly what you said, my famous, one of my famous sayings is what you don't know is what you don't know. But now that you know, right, you are either now a contributor of human Mm -hmm. trafficking or exploitation um, or you're not. Because every time you go into one of these establishments and and watching porn and watching only fans and anything along those lines, you are literally rolling the dice. It is a 50-50 chance that that person is not there at their own right mind and will. Um, And so then what is the difference between you and a trafficker? Because now you know. Right. And it's having those hard conversations. And I do believe like the measure of a man of like a real man is they need to hold each other accountable. Right. Like we know as females and as wives, we've been trying to hold men accountable all the time. But there's something different (laughs) when when a man holds another man accountable. And them joining forces with us in, in that kind of capacity. I just feel like that is raising an army that we will finally really outnumber these predators because now you're no longer buying and you're coming on this side. And to me, that is the key for eradication across the board, whether it happens in my lifetime, in your lifetime, or in our children's lifetime. I just have that much belief and faith if we get these men on board and talk to them just like how you did, open and honest and genuine of we just need you. We need you yeah. to be a part of this in your capacity, whatever that is, because I'm not a dude, you are. <laughs> so whatever yeah, that looks like for you, right? <laughs> now that you now that you know, but yeah. our world has just been that these are the oldest professions in the world and everybody chooses to, you know, to be there. Yeah. Um, and we know that that can't be any more of a bigger, bigger lie, right? And that's right. just, that's just truthful. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I have another uh, question. You, you talk a lot and I, I've heard the Royals and I've heard you and, and your ministry talk about personal freedom and, mm-hmm. and you've mentioned your story and, mm-hmm. and I love that you put on the show that, Hey, this is not my story. So I want to be respectful and I'll just be very general. And that's something that we've talked so much about on the show is, It's not my story to tell. I could be extremely general, but it is the respect out of the person who has this experience um, or their survivor. Um, And so, so many as well don't know how to tell their story and they don't know how to and whether that starts from like, like we talked about earlier, they haven't identified yet. (laughs) Because people are telling them that this is what they're experiencing, right? So let's talk about uh, personal freedom for a little bit. And why is that so important? How do y'all work with, you know, the royals um, or the girls that come into your your ministry? How do you how do you work with them on finding that personal freedom? Yeah, well, I want to tell you that when I was 28 years old, I heard a woman speaking about being sexually abused. As I was listening to her story, I sat there. I literally, I was so, I started shaking. My hands were sweating. I had never heard anybody speak these words out loud. I came from a family that everything was kept behind closed doors. Nobody speaks about anything. I was so severely abused by my father and by a, um, a pedophile. 
that lived across the street from us that I was trained to keep silent. So when I heard this woman sharing her story, I quickly realized she was articulating everything that I had been through, but yet I hadn't found a voice for it yet. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand. I didn't have words for what I'd been through. I didn't know what happened to me. So that's why I'm so passionate today about walking these women through their story is helping them. So we start off first, you know, the very first thing I do when we go on stings, when we meet with a woman after we meet her in, in, in the club or her workplace, um, and anytime we're being referred, um, a woman is I will share my story. And instantly you can see the walls come down and I become somebody who's relatable. Mm -hmm. And I have so many facets of, you know, what in human trafficking, sex trafficking that are relatable in my story that it helps to break down those barriers and it helps to, for them to hear, wait, that sounds familiar. Is that what happened to me? And then I tell them, so let's process this. Let's walk through this. So We have um, trauma-informed counselors that we work with that they can go to regular counseling with. And then we have equine therapy as well with a psychiatrist and then myself. And we can walk them through the healing journey uh, with the equine therapy. And that's been an incredible healing modality. Um, EMDR is something that worked tremendously for me and my brain and my experience. I know it's not the end all, but it is one of the best forms of healing for me is rewiring my brain and helping to connect those neurons that were disconnected. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been life-changing for me. So we offer that to the girls as well. So helping them to self-identify, helping them to realize that what happened to them was, you know, domestic violence and sexual abuse and sex trafficking and helping to put not labels, so to speak, but just helping them to figure out, okay, this is what happened to me. And then dissecting that And every time we end up having our first meeting with one of the girls, you know, we'll immediately know what to pinpoint Hmm. and what to focus on to get them into the first steps of their healing journey. But just like with AA or anything else, you know, that first step, it's really hard to trust women that you've never met before that walked into your workplace and it's handing you a gift and, you know, for them to sit there and to trust us, to show up and then to, you know, trust us through that experience and then telling us their story. Mm -hmm. So that's the very first step is saying, well, this is what happened to me and this is where I'm at. And then my, my question always to them is, okay, where do you want to be? Like, who do you want to be? And many of the girls have no answer for that. They say, I haven't ever even I'm scared to think like that. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't ever put myself in these positions. So we sit down and write out their goals and figure out who they want to be. And then we have so many resources, so many nonprofits and friends and churches and people that just invest. So let's say one of our girls that day, um, we met with her and we went through this whole process. And I said, what would you do if you weren't working in the club? And she said, I, I really don't know. So we started to process through that. And finally, we found something. And she said, okay, you know what? I've always wanted to be a realtor. But I just thought, 
there's no way, yeah. you know, how could I even start in that after being in this lifestyle for so long? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, let's start with real estate school <laughs> and let's get you through that. So we did yeah. that. And then, you know, and we've done that with several girls too. This particular girl went through real estate school. She had a really hard time. She needed a mentor. She needed help throughout the whole process and everything, but she's been a realtor for four years She is selling million dollar homes. Last July, she bought her own home and she is completely set free from the industry. And just so amazed that like that one little meeting with us that one night, you know, and I shared my story with her actually in the club that night, which I normally don't do, but I just knew it was one of those moments where I'm like, I need to tell her that I'm, I understand what you're going through and I need to let her know. And then we had coffee the next day and that was it. Her whole entire life has changed. So that's kind of what we do with that. Talk about, uh, talk about not just only a success story, but talk about a life completely transformed and 100% sustainable, right? Because you and I've talked about this before. Uh, that's what, you know, our organization, our company does is we know when so many of these individuals, they go to residential treatment or um, they go to counseling, usually that has a time limit, right? And so then they're off on their own. And then we go back to that seven times right? (laughs) Because it's very true when, when life happens, which we all know when life happens, it sucks sometimes. And when you're in that Valley, all these triggers can come back and it's, it's a lot easier in a sense, um, where your mind is to go back into that life instead of trucking forward. Right. And so it's all about giving them those tools where they can sustain themselves because ideally that's what they want. They just, don't know how to dream it because they've been in survival mode for so long, right? That's it. And so, and everything in the future, there is no future because all of your thoughts are based off of your past experiences and you're just in that loop. You're just playing, playing that loop. You just, and that's what we do is we break the cycle of abuse. We're breaking the cycle of Mm self-hatred, breaking the cycle of them being stuck in the darkness and bringing them out of that darkness into the light. And it reminds me of myself. I mean, just to be the woman I am today was never on my radar. Trust me. My own husband is a testament to that because he's always like, how did you just do that? Like, he's like, (laughs) when when I'm legislating at the Capitol, he's like, who is that woman? I don't know her. Like, I'm like, it's truly amazing that if you just put one foot in front of another yeah. and show up and use what you have and use your story and start to be vocal about it, God can do crazy, amazing things and open doors for you that you never dreamt. I mean, I never dreamt I'd be an author of a book. Yeah. I didn't even know I had it in me. And then to see the reviews coming in last week, I my mind is blown because, and I know exactly how the girls feel when they're like, I just graduated real estate school. I just got my diploma. I just, you know, and I'm like, I know how you feel. It's just so incredible to become an overcomer mm-hmm. from such darkness and abuse, you right. know? Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, everybody, we are going to push pause on part one with Lisa Michelle. Um, I invite you to stay tuned for part two because we are going to dig a little bit deeper with Lisa and her walk through her own personal freedom through her book, Unlikely Warrior. Um, as she mentioned, gosh, she just has so much to to share and and to tell. And 
I just need you to to join us because you're not going to regret it. Um, also, they're doing something amazing with uh, Lillian Company, and that is a great surprise and a great entry point for y'all to be advocates. So join us for part two. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.